The world's wind industry is gathering in Melbourne this August. Join them at the APAC Summit to discuss collaboration, market building and solving supply chain challenges in the expanding APAC market. Buy tickets at apacsummit2023.com.au. Hello listeners, Stuart Mullen here. I'm the Chief Operating Officer of the Global Wind Energy Council and today we have another podcast in the series of the APAC Offshore Wind and Green Hydrogen Summit uh, sneak preview for our conference that we are having at the end of August in Melbourne. And today we are joined with one of the pioneers of the Australian offshore wind industry and actually one of the pioneers of wind in general. Mr. Michael Hannibal, who is a partner at CIP. Welcome, Michael. Thanks, uh, Stuart, and uh, good to see you again. Yeah, likewise. So for the listeners, Michael is also the chair of GWIC's Australia Offshore Wind Group, and one of the reasons why we asked Michael to be the chair is because of his work uh, in the market, and he's been following the market for such a long time. So maybe if we start a little bit about with, with you personally, Michael, about your background and uh, how you've been working in APAC and uh, maybe even a bit about Australia specifically. I yeah, know you know I have a, a, a long background in the uh, the wind industry. Uh, it's a lot of uh, years gone by uh, since I was an electrician and then a high voltage engineer uh, worked with ABB actually also in that time included some solutions uh, for wind and then 14 years in Siemens uh, had the pleasure of being uh, heading the offshore wind business uh, globally and then end of uh, 17 uh, moved to CIP where I'm a partner and responsible for our offshore platform uh, and that brought me rightfully to Australia uh, in 17, 18 uh, and the following years where we have worked uh, very much with federal and, and uh, Victorian um, to develop staff the South. Uh, it has been a long journey. It has been a good journey. It has been an interesting journey. Uh, like many of the journeys we do in CIP, uh, being first movers into countries. So uh, hopefully uh, we will see Australia, at least what we have seen is that it have gone from one project to actually being several projects applying uh, for, for seabed. Uh, and hopefully it will go from one project to an industry in Australia. Fantastic. If we look at the broader CIP picture, CIP has uh, a history of opening up new markets and I guess has been associated with a lot of the leading development work in the early stages of the APAC uh, market. Can you maybe tell our listeners a little bit about CIP's footprint and vision for APAC? Yeah, we first, if, if we take it from the uh, broader view, we see APEC as a, a, a really, really interesting uh, region. It, it's clear that a lot of things will happen in the APEC region in the in the years to come. A lot of things already happening today, and and we are playing a role in in many places. Uh, just mentioned Australia, uh, neighbouring Australia, uh, New Zealand, where we're also uh, developing. Then we are actively building in Taiwan uh, on, on uh, basically constructing a couple of projects. Then we are developing in Korea. Then we are present in Japan developing. Then we have basically uh, initiatives ongoing in Singapore, developing in Vietnam, 
looking Bangladesh, looking at Philippines. So we are broadly uh, represented out there. And, and basically what we see is definitely a need uh, for for renewable. And in that mix uh, of the total energy mix, including the renewable energy mix, offshore wind can definitely contribute and play a significant role there. Yeah. And in terms of those markets, you know, you've, you've rattled off of many of the markets in the APAC area, so it sounds like you've got a very broad footprint. Um, what are you seeing as some of the common challenges in each of these markets? I know that uh, at the conference we'll talk a lot about the supply chain and, and grid challenges and, you know, and, and for supply chain, it's not just the, the cells, etc. It's also access to vessels. Uh, what are some of the challenges and opportunities you see for uh, CIP it, to actually it, work through some of these challenges? It, it's a super good question <clears throat> and it's difficult to answer in a simple way. If sure. one should answer it in a simple way, then uh, the simple answer could be it's very different from Europe. But each country and each entrance into a country is kind of unique. They have their different challenges and they have their different opportunities. So some of them are in well-developed industrial areas. We are, as an example, not blaming anybody for else for not being. But there you can just say that there you have uh, known suppliers already, already. Then you have Taiwan, where you need to contribute with a, and team up global knowledge with local manufacturing capabilities and then develop the industry. So different, you can say, markets, different countries, different challenges, but also with a lot of opportunities yeah. and maybe also a little bit different opportunities. And so how do we get collaboration amongst those countries and amongst those markets. So, I mean, if they're if we're dealing with uh, similar challenges in each of those markets, but they're taking them from a different perspective, how, is there some sort of way, like we're talking about regional collaboration and the whole re reason why we're having an APAC conference is to get all of those markets from the region into one spot to have these conversations. Can, can we find common ground and can we find some ways that we can share best practices so we don't have to keep reinventing the, the wheel? I think that should definitely be the target also for this conference, uh, which I find really, really important for the region, uh, because it's clear that there are some of the challenges, as you say, that are common. Some of them are of different nature and some of what you can say different uh, sensitivity or different uh, magnitude. Uh, but there's a lot of things where you can say learnings can be moved and you can take the learnings or the observations and then deal with them in the in a different way uh, or in a either new way or in a more common way so that you basically can make sure that you get speed you get momentum and then i think what is also important is all the parties that we are to coexist with that we find best practices for coexistence coexistence on water is really, really important. It goes without saying, fishermen, shipping lanes, military, defense, all those that where you need coexistence, that you find kind of a common way to approach this, making sure that you get some speed into it uh, because the power is needed. 
and the power is needed urgent uh, in many places. And it's definitely for the climate important that it is not postponed or delayed uh, out in time. And so if we look at Australia specifically, you mentioned Star of the South earlier in terms of you know, being one of the first projects on the market to hit the market and being the first real, I guess, driver of the offshore wind market in Australia. Now, you know, you look at the feasibility license and we hear that there's been 37, 38 applicants and, uh, you know, 20 plus consortiums, etc. That there's a real, a real sort of gold rush into the industry now. As the as the uh, pioneer project here, how do you view this? Is it? I presume it's a good thing for the market that there's so much interest because it keeps the market go, going. But uh, you know, yeah, what's what's the competition doing to the market, and what does Australia need to do in your perspective to maintain and build that industry? First. I really, really uh, would say we welcome the strong interest because that is bringing it from one project to basically being something where you can discuss with supplier, with industry, that this is not a one-off. It is an industry coming uh, with a lot of opportunities in that part. So so I think that's that's really, really positive. Then I think what is really, really important for Australia, the different states, that is being taking it from targets to real permitted projects to get something happening, uh, because that is basically what is needed to drive the market out there. That is making certainty for that some of all those applications will be turned in as fast as possible uh, into feasibility licenses, and then that the collaboration state-federal will be super good so that you can see that there will be a, a, a common drive and you will actually see something coming out uh, with a kind of um, kind of seamless collaboration between state, federal developers and making sure that you can then attract the industry, attract the investments into the local industries, into harbors and all the needed infrastructure and the ecosystem around the projects. So if we crystal ball a little bit and we say that uh, Star of the South is one of the uh, projects that is greenlit for the feasibility licence and that we've heard some rumours that the federal government might encourage all developers to work together for some of these common technical projects. research like into maritime you know rather than having four or five projects doing the same work in the same area um how's that collaboration amongst developers is that a good thing or would you encourage that or is would you prefer to keep all this sort of lessons learned for yourselves in terms of you know like is that too too critical for the development process to, to share that knowledge no i think there's a lot of knowledge that can be shared uh, also between developers uh, so, so, and and basically, if you look back in history, offshore wind uh, basically took off best when there was a lot of developers uh, collaborating. Uh, you saw it in the early days in in UK, where the market was so that the developers got allocated a project, and then they could actually collaborate on the areas where it was not. Uh, uh, you can say in conflict with any sure. competition costs or anything. So there it will really make sense uh, yep. to kickstart, share some knowledge, get it rolling 
and, and share best practices because that will be needed, absolutely. So also from your turbine manufacturer's uh, perspective, we see you know, the Australian government, of course, is going to want some local content and whatever the phrase, I think, national interest or whatever, the, wherever they're going to dress it up, uh, whatever the term's going to be. How do you see the industry or what role do you see in the industry of being able to provide that certainty? Should each market expect multiple factories and uh, if, and multiple long serve long you know uh, port development, or can we can we do with again coming up with some sort of collaborative approach here where where we can you know look at the region as a region? It's it's again where you can say the volume in the market and the certainty for the volume in the market per year will actually set the bar for, for how much local content can you drive really local and what will come in as subparts that you will then fit together, uh, click together. Uh, so a NSL will come in, in in several parts. Parts of those could potentially be produced locally, parts of them coming uh, as an imported uh, thing. The best thing would, of course, be if you could look at it and, and then find some areas where you could actually be super good and then not only supply for the local market, but that you could be a global supplier for some specific components. But that will then require that you turn yourself into being best in class, yep. being able to compete on the global market, because that is from the basically the way that, that we should look at it as a global industry where you can continue driving down cost or at least drive the cost to a level where it's a sustainable supply chain into the uh, renewable transition. Because currently, building factories all over the place with low utilization increases costs and um, looks uh, with, with, with the challenges that we observe globally for the supply chain, um, they have constraints, they have low profit, uh, they have challenges in, in basically going from flat uh, or plateau to growth or potentially exponential growth. This needs to be tackled uh, and we need to look at it in a broader context. But for sure, if you want to drive local content and you want industry to invest, then there needs to be a predictable volume per year. Uh, and, and there uh, you are talking uh, gigawatts per year uh, if you want a, a kind of your localization. Well, thank you very much for that insight, Michael. And we very much look forward to welcoming you and the rest of the CIP and COP and SAR of the South team uh, to the conference in Melbourne. Uh, I know that CIP also have a, a lot to do in the hydrogen space and particularly some projects in Australia. So I'm looking forward to hearing the insights from uh, the CIP team in that area as well. Michael Hannibal, thanks very much for joining us today and look forward to seeing you in Melbourne. Thanks, Stuart. See you. Thank you.